Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the Fires of Revival podcast. I am your host, Colton Prater, and I pray today's episode will be a help and an encouragement to you. Please don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast with others. And now for the episode. Thank you for coming on today. And uh, if you don't mind, we'll go ahead and start our interview if that's okay with you. Yeah, of course. That's fine. Awesome. All right. So we'll just open up with our first question. We ask this to everyone that comes on. But do you mind just sharing with us your uh, salvation testimony, how you came to know Christ? Sure. Um, So I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I was born and raised in Japan. My dad is Japanese and my mom's from North Carolina. Um, So when I was like five, around five or so, I, you know, um, we we were working with an English speaking church there at the time as well in Japan. Um, So they would have English services in the morning. And then there was a Japanese church that used the same building. uh, So we would have that in the afternoon. Um, so I remember it was in the morning there that uh, it kind of just hit me that like, you know, man, like hell is a real place and I'm yes, going sir. there. And so I kind of talked with the English pastor and prayed a prayer and um, kind of hung on to that for a really, really long time. But uh, when I was, you know, fast forward, you know, 10 years, I was 17 and, uh, you know, if you go to any solid church or are around people that believe the Bible at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. then uh, they're going to tell you that, you know, you need to be telling people about Jesus. And so yes, um, I was working part time when I was a teenager in Japan. And uh, so kind of more more or less out of guilt more than anything, I was trying to you know begin to realize I need to talk to people about what I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more I tried to do that, the more I began to really just wonder, you know, do I even really believe this stuff? Because... You know, I knew all the stories and I knew kind of a little bit about what the Bible said, but it hadn't really become mine. Mm. Like I, I knew it, I've heard it, I, it's, it's, I've been around it, but it had never become mine. Like I, I knew it and it was in my head, but I came to the point where I placed my faith and trust in Jesus when I was a teenager at that point, because I realized I can't just know this stuff. It's, am I trusting this? Am I believing in Jesus? Am I trusting the Lord? Um, and so it was... I was, I was around 17 at the time when I was like, okay, I'm going to believe this for myself, not just know it, not just know about it, not just hang around it, but I'm going to place my faith in Jesus. Yes, sir. And that is wonderful. That, praise the Lord for that. That's great. Now, building off of that, uh, do you mind sharing with us uh, how you answered the call to missions specifically to the country of Japan? Sure, sure. So um, I went to school originally. I went to college in the States. Um, after that, that was back in 2011. And I originally went to school to study software engineering. Um, I had a grand plan of making video games at the time. And uh, I was kind of wrestling with the Lord about what to do with my life because I felt like God wanted me to do something more and, and that he wanted me to serve him in, in like maybe like a church capacity or something. But mm-hmm. I'd made excuses and said, you know, I'm not going to do that or whatever. And so I basically came up with this deal where I was going to do my thing and then maybe help out with like a church youth group or something on the side. And yes, sir. So I'd help out God on his thing and I would do my thing and you know everybody would mm-hmm. be happy. Um, but my freshman year, there was actually a missionary that came and spoke during chapel uh, at our college um and the lord really used that to get a hold of my heart and to surrender to go back to japan as a missionary now i remember telling people at that point you know i have no idea 
how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, it's really been a step-by-step -step thing. Now, when I was a junior, I went to Africa for about three weeks on a mission trip. And there was a time where I realized that I couldn't just be about Japan. I needed to be surrendered to go anywhere. Um, I think God wants us not to just be surrendered to one particular place, but to be willing to go anywhere. Yes, and from sir. there, he directs us um, because nothing should be off limits for him. And so I remember I was sitting in a cafeteria and just thinking through this, like I, I realized that I wasn't okay if the Lord would call me to go to North Africa, which is predominantly Muslim. Uh, I was like, I'm not okay with that. And I had to come to terms with, I am going to be okay with, if the Lord directs me here, I'm going to go here. Um, but then once again, stepping back and taking inventory of what God has given me and the tools and skills that he has provided me with, uh, I speak because I grew up in Japan. I know a little bit about the country and it, it just made the most sense um, to go to Japan where people aren't really going and do a work there because God has already equipped me in a sense to go back. Yes. Um, so that's the reason why we are in Japan right now. Well, I'm not physically in Japan. We're going back in a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. um, but that's why we're, we're working there uh, based on what being surrendered to what God wants and looking at what God has given me. Now, I that doesn't that's not to say that if you don't already speak Japanese, you shouldn't come to Japan. Yes, <laughs> I'm just saying for my situation, it made the most sense to take what God has given me and steward those gifts and those talents in Japan uh, to further the gospel there. Yes, sir. And I think you could probably agree to this. A lot of times God does that very thing that you said, you know, as long as we're yielded to him, whatever plan that he has for us that many times he takes the experiences that we've had in years prior, like you learned, know, having already known the language and culture and everything, and then sending you back there to Japan and many people like that, you know, maybe who understand a different culture better or have another language. God oftentimes uses them to and to speak that language and that God uses the experiences we've had prior to help us reach people in the future and in the present. Right. Right. And that's not to say if you don't already have a skill set that you shouldn't go overseas. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that could become an excuse. Um, yes, but there are people like me who did grow up overseas. And so you just kind of evaluate based on that. Yes, sir. Now, for someone listening today, maybe they, they know the country of Japan, obviously, but maybe they don't know what it's like spiritually. Uh, maybe they don't know much about the country of Japan. So could you just maybe explain to us the spiritual nature of it, how we can pray for the country and so forth? Sure. So Japan is a really interesting place that um, is a, a strange mixture of a lot of things. So, um, you know, I'm based out of the Atlanta area. Most of our supporting churches and financial partners are in the southeast, although we have a few that are outside. But, you know, in, in this part of the country, you know, even though America at large is very secular, there's still a church in a lot of places. Driving down the road, you'll pass multiple churches and see churches. And if you go knocking on doors in a community, a lot of times in the Southeast anyway, you know, every other door, every third door, every fourth door, they're at least going to say they're going to go to, they're going to church. They might be lying straight to your face, but they're, they're going to tell you that. Now in Japan, that's not the case. Um, and I've literally sat across the table from 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 50 year olds, sharing the gospel with them. And then I ask, have you ever heard this before? And, and they typically just say, I've never heard this in my life. Um, you know, a lot of times people ask me, you know, what is the 
major obstacle there in Japan, you know, what causes people to resist the gospel? And I mean, there are factors, but I think the main problem that Japan faces is people have not heard the gospel. Um, in Romans 10, 17, um, the Bible, Paul speaking there, he says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so basically, if you turn that into modern English, it means that, you know, you have to hear the gospel to have faith in the gospel and get saved. And so unless you hear how to get saved, you can't ever get saved. And the problem in Japan is most people have never really heard a clear presentation of the gospel in their life. Now, culturally, Japan is secular in that, you know, in public schools, they teach evolution. And so there's this, you know, we believe in science kind of stance, mm -hmm. but there's also an active role in traditional religions that are in Japan. So there's two big ones. One is Buddhism. Uh, and then the other one is called Shinto, which is a Japanese religion. And it's not like people are either or. Most people are both and. So, uh, for example, it's often said that you're born in Shinto and you die in Buddhism. And people do rites for both uh, interchangeably. Some people even don't know the difference between a temple and a shrine. A shrine is for Shinto. Uh, a temple is for Buddhism. And sometimes the, a temple complex might have a shrine or a shrine complex might have a little temple Buddhist temple built onto it as well. Um, and, and I think a, a good word to describe the Japanese mentality at large, um, there's obvious, uh, would be superstitious. Um, mm. Just in case we're going to do this. Um, if, if you look at a lot of major companies, I'm told that, you know, we're talking places like Toyota, Honda, um, big name companies, they have people that are dedicated to helping with the company doing these rites at these shrines and these temples. Hmm. So all the, the you know, the, the top bigwigs, they'll take time out, make time to go and uh, worship at a temple and bow to these idols and do these things. Guys, black cars, you know, suits showing up, doing their thing, clapping their hands in front of these idols. Um, because, you know, it's a just in case thing. You know, hmm. if we don't do this, then what'll happen? Or if you're building, if you're doing any new construction, a lot of times they'll call a Shinto priest and they'll call do what's called a Jichinsai, uh, which is basically a land purification ceremony. So in case there's an evil spirit uh, that's in the area, it's basically to uh, appease that spirit and say, hey, sorry, we're interrupting you. Uh, appease the spirit so there's no uh, accidents on the job site. And I'm told that some places won't even build construction companies won't even start until that's happened um wow. they pour out liquor on the property and they call a priest and they do all these things um because just in case you know if if they didn't do it and an accident happened they would say it's because we didn't do that um and so people will go to a shrine uh a, a shinto shrine on new year's day and do their first first of the year prayers but the day before that um they'll go to a buddhist temple uh, and worship, ring a bell, uh, all these crazy things that happen. And it's, it is just straight up idolatry that happens. Mm -hmm. um, and it's easy for us in the States to think, you know, as we read the Bible and, and talk about idolatry, you know, typically that, that, that conversation in the U S turns to, you know, your, 
career becomes an idol, your yes, football sir. became an idol, you know, that's your idol. And, and in a sense, that is what it is here in the States because we don't deal with physical idols, but in Japan, it's the idol that is on the street corner. It's this temple that's in your neighborhood. It's the shrine that is collecting money through the community. And you say, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. I can't be a part of this. Um, it, it's, it's kind of passive aggressive in your face. Um, and it, it, it's people don't really believe it, but they believe it, if that makes sense. So um, it's, it's like cultural Christianity in the States. It's cultural Buddhism, and it's a part of the identity. So instead of you know going to church on Christmas or Easter, they're going to go to a shrine on New Year's Day. They're going to go wash their ancestors' grave uh, in the middle of August because that's when the spirits are said to come home. Whether you believe it or not is beside the fact everybody does it. It's just normal. Um, so those are the factors that are the spiritual climate there. Now, one of the beautiful things, though, about being in Japan is that you do get to share the gospel with people who haven't heard it before. So you're not really working with a burnt over field. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times in the States, it's people have heard the gospel and they've become hardened to it. Uh, everybody's kind of um, somewhat familiar with the Bible. And so you're dealing with that in Japan. We're talking, you know, this is a Bible. Have you touched a Bible before? I've never held a Bible in my life. Okay. Mm. Well, there's a Bible. It has 66 books. It's divided into an Old and New Testament. Uh, that, that's where you start with most people. Um, and, and so it's really exciting to see, like, you're, you're talking to people. They've literally, they're literally hearing this for the first time in their life. Wow. And uh, unlike some places in the world, Japan is a place where you can openly evangelize. So, you know, you don't have to be in hiding. You don't have to uh, pretend like you're running a business while you start a church in someone's living room and hope the cops don't show up. Like, that's never an issue in Japan. Wow. Um, so you can openly evangelize. You can put a sign on, church, sign on your church building and say, you know, this is a church. Uh, everybody welcome. Um, you can, you know, publish blogs, do everything on the Internet. Like, it, it's, a, it's an open field. It's, it's open season. Um, and I think that often gets neglected. So um, while there is spiritual opposition and uh, we realize that, you know, the devil is at work behind the traditional religions and using that to keep people uh, at, at, in his clutches, it's not like some places where we have to be more creative in our um, approach. We can just be pretty forthright. Like, this is who we are. This is what we're doing and uh, proceed so it's an exciting place to be yes sir that's wonderful and those rob pause real quick but those that are uh, listening to this episode right now i would encourage you if you have a prayer list of any sort to write down the country of japan write down this missionary's family's name and pray for them pray for the country of japan pray for souls to be saved pray for works to be done because as you said there the fields are white under harvest they don't know much about the scripture or the bible so it's not like you're as you said dealing with people that have been burnt off by religion or anything like right, that right right is it's truly just they've never heard of these things before. They've never heard of what a Bible is or heard of what Christianity is, and they truly have no idea. And there's a great potential there. So if you're listening, I would encourage you to pray for this family, uh, pray for this country, pray for laborers to go there and just spend some time praying for the country of Japan. Definitely. And, and you know, it's, it's not like they've never heard of Christianity. Um, I typically ask people in the States, you know, have you ever heard of Buddhism or have you ever heard of Islam? Mm -hmm. Most people have. But if you were to ask them, you know, what, what is their main teaching? What do they say? You know, 
you might think, well, Buddhism, the big fat dude at the Chinese restaurant or uh, Islam, you know, terrorists, but Muhammad, I don't know. That, that's kind of what they, they think. They're like, okay, Christianity is out there. Uh, it's a, a Western thing, but G uh, Jesus is somewhere mixed in this, churches. Um, but, you know, if you were to ask them, like, what what is the thing, you know, First uh, Corinthians 15, he talks about the gospel. What is the essence of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? They, they, it's, it's not something that they're exposed to. So, Yes, sir. Thank you for sharing that. Now, building off here with you and your family and going back to the country of Japan, do you mind sharing with us maybe how far along y'all are on that journey of getting back to the country and what's maybe the departure time frame, what you're going to do when you get there? Now, sure, just so you sure. have some context, this episode is going to drop here in about a month. So, Okay, yeah. Um, so um, as of this recording, uh, we're leaving next week, next Tuesday, August 31st. We're going to fly back to Japan. There's a, uh, about a 12, 13-hour time difference between the Eastern time zone and Tokyo time. So uh, when we fly out, we fly out uh, Tuesday morning, and we basically arrive Wednesday afternoon. Uh, it's a 14-hour flight, so 14 hours from here to there. So, you know, if it's 7 a.m. here, it's basically 8 p.m. over there. Wow. So uh, the time zones are totally different. Um, so it makes it interesting when you adjust because of the jet lag. Yes. Uh, but basically, we're going to land. Uh, because of COVID stuff right now, there's going to be a two-week quarantine. Uh, so we're going to be sheltering in place, kind of, for a couple of weeks. After that, um, we're going to be looking for a building to rent. Uh, to use for starting a church. And we're hoping to maybe start some informal meetings towards the top of November. And by the top of December, uh, doing an official church launch. This is all based on, you know, if we can find a place and get it fixed up and uh, working properly. And so that's kind of what we're looking at. We already spent two years in Japan. Uh, we went to Japan back in 2019 and came to the States for a short furlough in 2021. So we've been in the States for a few months now. Um, during that time, my wife was in language school, and we were helping out with the church plant there in Japan. So we're actually moving to a new city called Nagoya. Uh, the, Nagoya the greater Nagoya area has about 10 million people, which is you know, roughly the size of the state of Georgia. And uh, there's just a handful of churches there that would be solid Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches. And so... Uh, there's entire areas in the city that just have no churches at all. And so we're looking to move to one of those areas and start a church. So uh, that that looks like, you know, in, in Japan, you actually can, you know, put flyers and tracks in people's yes. boxes, which is something wow. you can't do in the States. <laughs> so when I say it's open season, it really is. Yes, um, wow. So, you know, we're going to be handing out flyers, running ads on the Internet, trying to meet people, invite people to church, do Bible studies, uh, whatever it takes to um basically make those first contacts um and then try to congregate them into a church it's going to be interesting though because covid has still been sweeping through the country right now mm -hmm. it's going to be presenting its own challenges but i'm also kind of excited because i think that's going to create new opportunities you know create new felt needs create new uh kinds of thinking and people and make people more maybe aware mm -hmm. uh, get people thinking and so uh, I think in every obstacle, there's an opportunity. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what we'll be able to do with that. So Lord willing, we'll be starting that church uh, towards the end of this year. And then I'd like to see another one started. We'll probably learn more about the city as we're going along. Mm -hmm. 
And I'd like to see a new church started, a second location started probably towards the middle of next year. Um, and so that's kind of our timeline right now. Yes, sir. That's great there. Now, the question here to ask you about missions and things. Uh, with you being a missionary, you would have experience in this. Now, why should everyone listen to this episode right now who's a Christian uh, be involved in missions? Now, what I mean by involved in missions, I mean, you know, either going overseas like yourself or people like that or giving to missions or witnessing to their neighbors or praying for world evangelism and those kind of things. Why should everyone listening be informed, uh, be involved in missions in some way, form or fashion? Man, that's 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 a that's a good question. I think it's something that we all have to consider. Mm -hmm. The short answer is the Bible says so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we we tend to pick and choose what we want, what we want to, what we want Jesus to say for us. Yes, sir. You know, like don't judge or uh, love people, whatever. But you know, Jesus had literally one prayer request, and that was that we would pray the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth Amen. laborers into His harvest. So. That that's a command. That's that's something that Jesus specifically told us to be praying for. So if we're not praying for laborers, we are being disobedient. We have to get our minds wrapped around that. If you're not praying for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest, you are being disobedient. That's one. Number two, Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, make disciples, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So if you are not being a part of that, once again, we're being disobedient. Um, one famous speaker, he said, you're either going sending or being disobedient. Mm. Um, th there, there's no way around that. It's not for a select few. Um, we tend to think it's easy for us to think that missions is something that, you know, it's a department. It's, it's a, a thing that a select few people do. But if you look at what the Bible teaches, it's not something that, you know, we just kind of bring in once in a while. It's, mm -hmm. it's the whole church. Every believer is to be making disciples, spreading the gospel and, and being obedient to the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's not a matter of do I do missions or not? It's a matter of will I be obedient to the Lord first? Mm -hmm. And, yes, you, you know, you have to be ready to say, you know, I am being obedient. And there's, there's this mentality in the States that, you know, you, you kind of wait for this mystical spooky voice from heaven that says, Oh, I want you to be a missionary in such and such country. And then you, you kind of fearfully run away from that. And then, you know, your car breaks down and then you cry and say, God, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> and uh, kind of like this Jonah moment. Mm -hmm. yes, um, but you know, that's not really what we see happening in the Bible. You know, um, obviously in Acts, we see that Paul and, and the apostles, they were serving. And then God says, you know, separate from me, Paul and Barnabas. But all these other people like Priscilla and Aquila, and uh, they're going out and they're, they're, they're making disciples and they're starting churches and they're doing this work. And, and even with Paul and his missionary journeys, you know, the, the, the spirit, they, they, they try to go one place and then they try to go to another place. And then finally they're led to another place. And they just say, we're going to keep pushing forward because this is, this is, this is what we're about. And the great commission is still in place for us today. And so we have to say, you know, what am I doing about this? Um, and church planting is a vital part of that. You know, it's not just missions, this vague thing where we just go and tell people about Jesus, but we, we try to, tell people how they can be obedient to the Lord. You know, 
in Matthew 28, he said, he said, go therefore teach all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe, to obey all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so for people to be obedient, there's so many commands that apply to a church uh, that we, we can't ignore that, uh, whether it's fellowship. And so we have to look at the church that we're a part of and say, no, I'm a part of a militant missionary machine that is responsible for making disciples here and abroad. And since he said, go into all the world, why is my default setting stay? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a question we have to answer. Where did we say, where do we find in the Bible where Jesus says, stay ye until ye hear a magical voice? <laughs> that's good. It's, it's not there. Yeah. He says, go in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, go, 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 go. And just in case you missed it in Acts, he's like, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. It, 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 go. And, you know, we tend to become very comfortable where we are and we enjoy our fellowship. We enjoy our coffee and we enjoy our Sunday school and we pray for so-and-so's aunt and we pray and make sure so-and-so doesn't die and go to heaven when there's a whole world that's dying and going to hell. Mm -hmm. um, and we are responsible. We can't get away from that. There are 126 million people in Japan. Most of them have never heard the gospel. There's over a billion people in China. Most of them have never heard the gospel. Billion people in India, they've never heard the gospel. They're worshiping false gods. They, 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 have, they have no hope. And, and literally, you know, these places are growing by the size of Montana, like every day, essentially. Yes, and, 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 you know, we have to stare the facts and the reality in the face. You know, there's a hundred some people that die every single minute on this planet. Uh, the majority of them have never heard the gospel. And if we really believe what we say we believe, that means they have slipped away into eternity, never having heard the gospel. And they're going to stand in front of their creator, the creator of the universe, and they're going to be found guilty for their sin. And they're going to be cast into the lake of fire, the judgment. And, Quite honestly, that's our responsibility. Like we can't get people saved. We don't save people, but it's our responsibility to take a message to them. In the Old Testament and the book of Ezekiel, God tells Ezekiel to go to the, the house of Israel. He, he says, you go, you tell them, you warn them. You're a watchman, like like the, the sentry that's standing on the wall. And, you know, the, the, the enemy comes. And so your job is to sound the alarm and to warn them and to tell them, you know, hey, hey, judgment is coming. And, you know, if you warn them and they do nothing about it, well, that's on them, right? You say, hey, a missile's incoming, everybody evacuate, and they do nothing, that's on them. But if you know it's coming and you say nothing and they die and they perish, he said, that's on you because you knew and you didn't sound the alarm. And, you know, in, in, in Acts and, 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 and over and over, we see that in the epistles, you know, Peter and Paul, they're saying, we're warning every man, warning people, because we realize that judgment day is coming. And that's not a very popular topic um, because, you know, we, we're just trying to get through the day. <laughs> but, you know, that's what Paul said when he stood at, in Athens. He, he said, you know, God has raised Jesus from the dead. In Acts chapter 17, he says he's raised from the dead. And this Jesus is going to judge you. It's, it's somewhere around verse 30, I think. Um, he said, you know, Jesus is going to judge you. So God is commanding you to repent. And we have to stare these realities in the face. There's people who've never heard. We are responsible. We have command, been commanded to be obedient to the Lord Jesus. 
And so I think that merits every bit of consideration for someone who wants to seriously say that they're a follower of Jesus. We, we can't ignore this. It's, it's all over the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament, God was using Israel to, to show the nations and they would come and see. And then in the New Testament, he says to the church, go, go, go. And so it's there, it's staring us in the face. And so we have to decide what am I going to do about it and take actions accordingly. Yes, sir. I agree with that wholeheartedly. What you said was just convicting and it's something I'm going to try to take, to take to heart better and begin to apply to my life better. I know listening to what you were saying, that reminded me of a sermon I heard a couple of years back from Brother Gardner. And he made a statement like what you said about, you know, in the scripture, the command is to go and to go and to go and to go. And you don't find it anywhere that's mentioned staying hardly ever. Right. He said, but us, you know, as American Christians, we have in our head that we have to stay and we can only go. As you said, you know, we have a car breakdown in the middle of a thunderstorm and this and that and all these crazy circumstances happen. He said, but we need to make the default as a go command instead of a staying command. Right. And that we need to be witnesses in everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And that's what yeah. we're commanded to do as Christians, as you said very clearly there. And as listeners, I would encourage you to make yourself a missions-minded Christian, whether that means going overseas yourself, if God calls you to that, whether it's giving to missions, and I believe we all should be giving to missions. Sure. Whether it's witnessing, and I believe we all should be witnessing, and whether it's praying for laborers, and I believe we should all be doing that as well as the Scripture commands. Yeah, and if I could just put this plug in here, if you're not— if you're like sitting there listening to this and you say, maybe I'm not as mission-minded as I'd like to be, and you want to get that, could I encourage you right now? And I'm not saying you, you give to our ministry. Please don't take this the wrong way, okay? Um, we, we are more than taken care of right now. But get involved in giving. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So if you start giving, you'll find that you're going to be more invested and you're going to be more interested in what's going on. It could start with maybe you're like, hey, I'm in college. I don't have a lot of money. Give five bucks a month. I don't care. Start giving to missions and, and mission work and, and getting the gospel out. Because when you start putting your money into something, sit in that. Like if you buy a new car, you start getting interested in that car and you start noticing that car around town and you realize how many other people have the same car. And it's just crazy. Once there's some money involved, your heart starts to follow it. So you don't have to wait for this, this super overwhelming sensation to flood over you. And then all of a sudden you say, oh, I'm all in. And then you can start with literally just saying, you know what? My heart's not in this. I want my heart to get in this. So I'm going to get personally, financially invested in what God is doing. And that you'll, you'll, you'll realize how quickly what Jesus said is true. That you know, when you start putting money in something, your heart follows after it. And that could be this said the same thing. You say, well, my heart is in video games. Well, you probably put money in video games. You know, you, you buy the merchandise, you, you, you buy the expansion pack and our, our heart is following our money and where it's being spent. So if you want a, a stronger heart for missions, I, I would like to challenge you one, be a tither first tithe, give to your local church and two, start giving the missions above that and watch what that does to your heart and your life. And, and then also just, prepare to just take a missions trip and, and see what's going on mm -hmm. because you know, the Bible says your eye affects your heart. There, there's things that you can't unsee. And uh, we've been trying to help with that. We, we put up some videos on YouTube that kind of show parts of Japan. They're like 360 videos. So like you can look around in the video and kind of feel like you're there, but it doesn't be actually physically being in Japan. So um, take a missions trip. Uh, we're going to be doing one in 2023. Um, that info is going to be on our website. Um, we'll tell you about that later, but 
um, be financially invested, whether it's taking a missions trip or even just starting with giving to missions, because your heart is going to follow where your money goes. Yes, sir. And I'll just add one more thing about giving to missions there before we move on. But, you know, when you give to missions, you know, God, as, as we said, you know, God may not necessarily send you overseas into another country. But when you're giving to that missionary that's over in that other country and they're beginning to see fruit and souls saved and churches planted, you know, you're you're able to take part in some of that reward because you're giving, which allows them to stay over there in that field and to perform the work of missions over there. Yeah. So when you're giving to that missions, that five dollars a month or however big or however small it is, there's fruit that you're getting on your account because of the fact that you're giving, which allows that missionary to stay over there in that country. Yeah. You know, the um, this last year when when all the COVID stuff was happening, we were working with a missionary family there in Japan and they had to come back to the States for a short while because of the family medical issue there. And uh, so we were basically there on our family was there basically keeping the church open uh, for several months. And during that time, there was actually a guy who showed up to the church out of the blue. And so I began asking him, you know, your basic questions, you know, like, are you Christian? Do you go to church anywhere? And our church was the first church that he had ever been to. And um, he ended up getting saved there, uh, but he heard the gospel, heard, learned the Bible and got saved. And this year he just got baptized and he's serving there. Um, but he heard the gospel because people were supporting us and we were there and we were able to share the gospel with him. And, and you get to have a part in people's stories and people's lives and people's eternities changed when you're invested in this. And so just like Colton was saying, like, you can be a part of that. And, you know, honestly, your iPhone, it's going to get old in about two years and you're not going to care about it anymore. But someone getting saved and, and their life getting changed by the gospel, that's something that can never be undone. And it's something that has eternal reward and you can have a part in that. Yes, sir. I agree with that wholeheartedly what you just said there. Now, changing gears, moving on a little bit to the next question here. Sure. Uh, talking about the topic of prayer here for a few minutes. But uh, do you mind sharing with us maybe how we can better pray for you and your family and your ministry and then just how we can better pray for just missionaries in general and missions work in general? Sure. So uh, right now we have two kind of big prayer requests um, as we move to Nagoya and get this church off the ground. One is, I'll sum them up in two words. One is location. So we don't have a specific location, like uh, an exact place picked out yet. And so pray with us that God would point us and give us favor in finding a good location to start this church. Uh, we want to get off to a good start. We want to start multiple churches there's just so many places in Japan that need a church, um, so many communities uh, that are churchless. And so we're asking the Lord to point us to the right location and that he would give us favor with the landlords, with the community. Uh, so that's number one. The second one is preparation, that God would prepare the hearts of the people right in that area. Um, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, but we can't save people. You know, we could preach till we're blue in the face pass out a million tracks, uh, flood YouTube with a, a 10 billion videos and advertise like crazy on Facebook and talk to every single person about the Lord. But unless God works in their heart, they can't get saved. Yeah. So we're asking God to prepare the hearts of the people there. So those are our two kind of big prayer requests that are right in front of us right now. Um, and I think that applies for every time there's a church going up, God to work and, and, and start these things. Um, you know, and then at, at large, for missionaries in general, there is an oh, 
almost what feels like an overwhelming spiritual opposition on the mission field. Um, you you don't realize this, but basically the these families they go overseas and they go into enemy territory that has been held for literally hundreds and thousands of years by the devil. And you are storming these areas and trying to shine the light of the gospel in these very, very dark places. People who have no hope, people who have not heard the gospel, people who are worshiping devils, knowingly or unknowingly, the devil is at work in these places. And, you know, that's his territory. And we're going and we're saying, no, we're going to shine the light of the gospel. And, you know, if, if I were the devil, I wouldn't be happy about that. And he's going to throw everything he can, his demons, that they are at work. And spiritual warfare is a very serious thing that happens on the mission field. And so pray for your missionaries. One, the, the, the devil will use all kinds of lies, whisper all kinds of things to try to get them to quit, to discourage them, to get them to tone things down, to get them to not be as active. Um, pray for your missionaries that they would be encouraged in the Lord. Um, because, you know, Jesus sent out the disciples, they went and they preached in the villages and they come back and they say, even the devils are subject to our name. And he says, no, you rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So pray that they would stay spiritually encouraged and that they would take every opportunity available to them to um, sow the seeds of the gospel and, and lead people to the Lord. Um, because, you know, you're by yourself there. It's not like you go to church on Sunday and the music ministry is booming and the discipleship ministry is booming, especially when you get started. Um, I tell people this, this is something that I stole from another missionary, but they say, are, are you starting from nothing? Are you starting from scratch? And I say, we're actually not starting from scratch. We're actually starting from itch because before something has to, before you scratch it, you got to make it itch. Mm -hmm. So literally, you know, there's no church, there's nothing. It, it's, it's not even the, the, the foundation even isn't laid. You, you start with nothing and you have to carve something out. And so there's a whole set of challenges that, that, that brings psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, so pray, pray for your missionaries to stay encouraged and, and strong in the Lord. Uh, the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, not your own, not your success, not your, uh, not your strategy, but in the power of the Lord. And that's when we can see something happen. Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of at large what you could be praying for. Yes, sir. And just a brief thing to our listeners here. Uh, if you're listening, I would encourage you to pray for Brother James and his family for their ministry in Japan. And if you're praying for any other missionaries that you have, maybe at your home church or something like that, I would, I would encourage you and challenge you to take those practical requests that he mentioned and just pray for those missionaries in those ways. Pray for those specific requests he mentioned. And I believe if each of us listening right now began to purpose on our heart just to spend maybe something, maybe just five, ten minutes a day praying for missions, praying for those specific requests, what God could do in our lives as a result of that. Now, yeah. last question for you, Brother James, this is a question I ask everyone that comes on. Uh, do you mind just sharing with us your life verse and then just take a minute or two and just give us a challenge from that verse? Sure. Um, mine is, <laughs> I, I love life verses because you can pick a terrible one and <laughs> say all kinds <laughs> of crazy stuff. Uh, I sometimes mess with people about that. But uh, mine happens to be John 15, 5. Uh, Jesus there in the Gospel of John. Uh, John's such a great book, okay? It's, it is. It's about believing Jesus and how Jesus is the Savior, and it's written so you'll believe in Jesus, and 
you know, Jesus, John is so underhandedly be like, you know, I'm the disciple which Jesus loved. Just want to throw that in there. Um, but John 15, 5, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking about how he is the vine. We are the branches. And he's talking about abiding in Christ. And in John 15, 5, he says, I'm the vine. Ye are the branches. If any man abide in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he tags this line on at the end. And I think this is the key part. He says, for without me, ye can do nothing. And, and that's something that we have to wrap our minds around because ministry and, and, and doing God's work and all this stuff, it's something that we can manufacture on a surface level if we work hard enough. Mm. But that's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, without me, you will maybe do all right. He says, without me, ye can do nothing. Yeah. And it's something that's so basic, but it's so difficult, you know, in, in sports, professional sports and all these things, you know, you have to always, always, always stay with the fundamentals. You can't stray from the basics. And it's something in ministry and in following the Lord and doing his work that you can't stray from the basics. And that is you stay close to Jesus. And anybody who is young and upcoming and wanting to do something from the Lord, it's like you've heard this over and over and over again. It's like, okay, yeah, 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 I know that. And that's the most dangerous place to be. Because it's like, okay, yeah, I've heard that. Now what else? And when we say that, we, we're, we demonstrate that we didn't hear what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this is really what you need. And we have to get up and say, no, I am abiding in Jesus. I am going to allow my thoughts to be consumed by Jesus. I'm going to be thinking about Jesus. I'm going to be thinking about what I read this morning. I'm going to let that spill over into my conversations. That uh, I am going to abide in Jesus. Christ. Because without him, we can do something. No, we can do nothing. Wow. And, you know, so often I'm guilty of this myself. So I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. Okay. But if you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, yeah, I know that, but it's, it's the fundamentals, right? You read your Bible, you talk with the Lord, you meditate on scripture. And, and, and that is what you have to stay with. Otherwise, it, it, the devil will come after you and he'll get you out of the game. And um, too many people get discouraged. They get uh, sidetracked and it's like, well, maybe this will work. and Maybe that'll work. And I'm all for strategizing. I'm all for planning. But at the end of the day and the beginning of the day, you say, am I abiding in Christ? Because if you're not, scratch your whole strategy, throw it all away. First, abide in Jesus because he said without him, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. So I would really challenge you to make that a priority and make that the priority saying, whoa, 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 before all this strategy and all this other stuff, am I abiding in Christ? And that's, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yes, sir. And I agree with what you said there wholeheartedly. That challenge was convicting and I needed it. And I'm sure many of those who are listening right now need that it needed that as well. And uh, thank you, Brother James, for coming on today. This interview was a blessing. I learned a lot about Japan that I didn't know before, and I know how to better pray for it now. And I'm sure many of the listeners can say the same thing about that as well now. 
So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on for this. And uh, lastly here, do you mind just closing this episode out for us in just a word of prayer? Sure. Anna, before I do that, if you're listening to this and you'd like to follow us um, and kind of keep up with our journey and learn more about Japan, yeah. uh, we have a email that we send out that kind of keeps people in the loop about what's going on. And uh, if you want to get more resources or learn about mission trips, we have a website, uh, reachingjapan.com reachingjapan.com we're also on all your social media your basic ones like facebook you know youtube instagram things like that follow us we're at reaching japan uh if you just search for that you'll find us we also have our own podcast the reaching japan podcast it's basically like a five minute conversation about you know what's going on so um feel free to follow us there yeah, yeah so um you know you're talking about praying for missionaries you know i hate it when it's like you know, God bless the missionaries. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what's going on. You know, we want you to know how to pray for us and yes, how to stay in touch. So that's available as well. But let's pray and I will close out. Lord, thank you so much for Colton and what he's doing. Thank you for all of our listeners today. God, we know that um, despite what we see, despite what we feel, despite what we're told, you are still on the throne and that nothing can change the power of the gospel to save people. Um, we are completely powerless without you. Uh, but Holy Spirit, you are still alive. You are still well, and you are still working in us and through us to do your work, to help us to stay surrendered to you. Um, I pray that everyone listening today would uh, take a moment to stop and pause and stop the noise, stop the music, uh, put everything on pause and say, Lord, I want to be abiding in Jesus. And, and as we look at our lives, that we would say, where am I obedient or where am I not being obedient? And that we would fix that, whether it's something small or whether it's something big, like the mission that you have given to us, which is getting the gospel out to the world. God, I pray that you would help us to be obedient to your word and uh, that you would bless. And we could see how wonderful it is to be abiding in Jesus and being fruitful Christians and seeing you do something that we could never even have thought or imagined or planned because we're abiding in Christ. Lord, um, you said day by day. So help us to follow you each and every day. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.